from CJBT Productions, the team that brings you the Music Halls of Fame podcast, comes the Music History Today daily podcast, where we bring you a quick daily briefing of the musical events, births, and passings that happened on that particular day. So, if you love music and history, then please like, subscribe, and share the Music History Today daily podcast out every day on Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. The following is a CJBT Productions podcast. This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode number 30. This week, we honor the year 1996, along with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 1996. We also look at the case for putting Queen Latifah into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And our museum this week is the Smithsonian National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. This podcast celebrates those who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll also look at the case for certain artists to be inducted into the hall who aren't there yet. Plus, every week we'll discuss a different musical Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame, or Museum and celebrate someone who's been inducted into them. Let's start with our main focus of the podcast, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall Foundation was established on April 20th, 1983. Former Atlantic Records chairman Ahmet Erdogan was the head of the foundation at the time. Three years later, a committee chose Cleveland, Ohio to be the site of the physical location for the museum over Detroit, Michigan, New York City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Memphis, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio. I say physical location because members have actually been inducted into the hall since 1986 before the building was even opened. Cleveland was chosen because of what DJ Alan Freed did to promote rock and roll, including mainstreaming the phrase rock and roll, which was originally black slang for sex, and for also holding the first rock and roll concert. Ground was broken for the building on June 7, 1993. It opened on September 1, 1995 at 1100 Rock and Roll Boulevard on the shore of Lake Erie. The hall gets over 400,000 visitors a year on average. Normal hours of operation are between 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. except for Thursdays when they're open until 9 p.m. They are normally open later in the summer months. General admission at the moment is $30. Children 6 through 12 are $20. College students, first responders, military members, and Northeast Ohio residents are $25. And kids 5 and under Hall of Fame members and Cleveland residents are free. ID is required to get the discounts. Rockhall.com is their website. That's R-O-C-K-H-A-L-L dot C-O-M. And as with all places these days due to COVID restrictions, check with the website for updated information and hours. The year was 1996. 
The U.S. inflation rate at the end of the year was 2.93%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average at the end of the year was 6,448. The Federal Reserve's interest rates at the end of the year were 8.25%. Average cost of a new house was $118,200. Average income for the year was $36,300. Average monthly rent, $554. Average cost of a new car was $16,300. A gallon of gas would set you back on average $1.22. And the hourly minimum wage was finally raised federally to $5.15. Democrat Bill Clinton won re-election as president of the United States, beating Republican Bob Dole. John Howard became prime minister of Australia. The year started off with one of the worst blizzards ever to hit the eastern United States, killing over 150 people. Yasser Arafat was re-elected as president of the Palestinian Authority. Boris Yeltsin was re-elected president of Russia. Benjamin Netanyahu became Prime Minister of Israel. TWA Flight 800 crashed 12 minutes after takeoff from John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York City. At first, terrorism was blamed, but then the investigation revealed that a short circuit in the center fuel tank ignited fuel vapors. Among those killed in the disaster were NHL hockey player Michel Bristroff, guitarist Marcel Daddy, composer David Hogan, and interior designer Jed Johnson. ValueJet Flight 592 crashed after oxygen canisters in its cargo hold exploded, killing 110 people. A bomb planted by the Irish Republican Army killed over 200 people in Manchester, England. A bomb planted in Atlanta's Centennial Olympic Park during the Summer Olympics in that year killed six people. Security guard Richard Jewell was at first blamed for planting the bomb. It would be years before his name was finally cleared and the real domestic terrorist Eric Rudolph would be brought to justice. JonBenet Ramsey was killed inside her home in Boulder, Colorado. The murder of the six-year-old girl, which created a media sensation, has not been solved as of yet, at least officially. Dolly the sheep became the first cloned mammal. Eight mountain climbers were killed after being trapped by a blizzard on Mount Everest. That incident has since been made into a movie. A fire at the Ozone Disco in the Philippines killed 163 people. The Hale-Bopp comet caused a stir, as the next time anybody will see it is in the year 4,380. I myself will be 50 years old at that point. Famous people who were born in 1996 include actors Tom Holland, Zendaya, Haley Steinfeld, Florence Pugh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Emma Mackey, Sophie Turner, Anya Charlatra, Jacob Batalon, Ella Purnell, Abigail Brislin, Courtney Eaton, and Brianna Hildebrand. Also, tennis players Ashley Barty and Daniil Medvedev. Football players Joe Burrow, Christian McCaffrey, and Josh Allen. Basketball players Devin Booker, Terrence Mann, and Ben Simmons. Gamer and streamer Pokimane. Wrestler Rhea Ripley. 
gymnast Michaela Skinner, and models Haley Baldwin and Bella Hadid. Among the people who passed away in 1996 were actors Gene Kelly, Martin Balsam, McLean Stevenson, Vince Edwards, Greer Garson, Dana Hill, Greg Morris, Dorothy L'Amour, Gene Muir, Claudette Colbert, Howard Rollins, and Marcello Mastriani, dancer and actress Juliette Prouse, film producer Don Simpson, politician Barbara Jordan, cartoonist Jerry Siegel, Comedians George Burns and Minnie Pearl, politicians Edmund Muskie, Ron Brown, and Spiro Agnew, French Prime Minister Michel Debray, French President Francois Mitterrand, writer Irma Bombeck, social activist Timothy Leary, fashion mogul and model Margot Hemingway, chemist Jeffrey Wilkinson, tennis player Rene Lacoste, German Nazi Artur Axman, diplomat and alleged spy Alger Hiss, football commissioner Pete Rozelle, and astronomer Carl Sagan with his millions and millions of stars. The Nobel Peace Prize was shared between Carlos Felipe Jimenez Bello and Jose Ramos Horta from East Timor for their work in resolving the war in East Timor. Scientist David Ho was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year for his work on AIDS research. And Denzel Washington was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. In technology, emails were sent more than snail mail for the first time. The first USB cable was released. The IBM computer Deep Blue beat chess master Gary Kasparov. The web TV computer console was released. Ask.com was created. Google first went into development. The first computer graphics card, the 3D Blaster card, was released. Palm Pilot was announced. The Alexa AI program was first started. Expedia.com started, as did IMDB.com and MySpace.com. Cyberlink, Javasoft, and Netgear were founded in 1996. Apple bought Next Computers, which brought Steve Jobs back into the company. And Memorex filed for bankruptcy. In video games, the first Lara Croft Tomb Raider game was released. Crash Bandicoot, Resident Evil, Diablo, Gearheads, Dead or Alive, Super Mario 64, and Duke Nukem 3D also came out in 1996. And also out that year was the Nintendo 64. In books, John Grisham's The Runaway Jury was the biggest-selling fiction book of 1996. Other big sellers were from Tom Clancy, Stephen King, Michael Crichton, Richard Bachman, and Danielle Steele. The big mystery in books for the year was who wrote the Bill Clinton political campaign novel Primary Colors, which was at that time credited to Anonymous. It was later revealed that Time Magazine writer Joe Klein was the author. On the nonfiction side, Hillary Rodden Clinton, Dennis Rodman, attorney Christopher Darden from the O.J. Simpson trial, Oprah Winfrey, Al Franken, Frank McCourt, and Walter Cronkite all had best-selling books. In sports, the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl, which was held for that season in 1997 in New Orleans. The halftime show theme was the Blues Brothers Bash, which featured the Blues Brothers Band, ZZ Top, and James Brown. Wholesome entertainment 
all. In other sports, Nebraska won the NCAA football championship, the New York Yankees won the World Series in baseball, the Chicago Bulls in basketball won the NBA championship, Kentucky won the NCAA men's basketball championship, Tennessee won the NCAA women's basketball championship, Oscar de la Hoya beat Julio Cesar Chavez to win the WBC Boxing Junior Welterweight Championship, Bjorn Reese won the Tour de France. Grindstone won the Kentucky Derby but could not pull off the Triple Crown, losing both the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes. The Colorado Avalanche won hockey's Stanley Cup, and Buffalo won the major indoor lacrosse championship. At the Summer Olympics, which were held in Atlanta, Georgia, the U.S. won both the most medals and the most gold medals. Those Olympics are probably most known for Muhammad Ali lighting the Olympic cauldron and for the aforementioned Olympic Park bombing. In tennis, Steffi Graf won three of the four major tennis tournaments with Monica Seles winning the Australian Open while on the men's side. Pete Sampras won the U.S. Open. Boris Becker won the Australian Open. Yvette Kafelnikov won the French Open and Richard Krychek won Wimbledon. France won the Davis Cup, while America won the Fed Cup. In golf, Nick Faldo won the Masters Golf Tournament, Tom Lehman won the British Open, Steve Jones won the U.S. Open, and Mark Brooks won the PGA Championship. However, the big story on the men's side happened towards the end of the year when Tiger Woods turned professional. In his five tournaments that he played in 1996, he placed... Tied for fifth, tied for third, first, third, first. Tom Lehman, by the way, was the big moneymaker with $1.78 million. And Europe won the Ryder Cup. On the women's side, Patty Sheehan won the Nabisco Dinosaur. Laura Davies won the LPGA Championship and the Maurier Classic. And Annika Storenstam won the U.S. Women's Open. Kari Webb was the first female player to make over a million dollars in a season, winning $1.002 million. In motorsports, Damon Hill won the Formula One championship, Terry Labonte won the NASCAR championship, Jimmy Vassar won the IndyCar championship, while Scott Sharp and Buzz Calkins tied for the IndyCar Racing League championship. In soccer, Germany won the UEFA Euro 1996 football tournament. In World Soccer League championships, Atletico Madrid won in Spain. Manchester United won in England. Auxerre won in France. Milan won in Italy. Borussia Dortmund won in Germany. And DC United won the inaugural Major League Soccer Cup in America. Track and field star Michael Johnson won the Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year, while swimmer Amy Van Dyken won the Associated Press Female Athlete of the Year. In movies, Twister, which was a big movie in 1996, became the first movie to be released on DVD. The biggest movie of the year was actually Independence Day. Other movies out that year included The Rock, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, Scream, Train Spotting, Mars Attacks, 12 Monkeys, From Dust Till Dawn, Happy Gilmore, Broken Arrow, The Birdcage, The Craft, The Cable Guy, First Wives Club, 
Space Jam, Shazam, Star Trek First Contact, Ransom, Fargo, and The English Patient, which won Best Picture at the Academy Awards along with Anthony Mengella for Best Director, Juliette Binoche for Best Supporting Actress, and Gabriel Yared for Best Original Film Score. You Must Be Loved from Evita won Best Song, Best Actor Oscar went to Jeffrey Rush for Shine, Frances McDormand won Best Actress for Fargo, and Cuba Gooding Jr. won Best Supporting Actor for Jerry Maguire. Good year for movies that year. In television, the Sundance Channel debuted, as did Third Rock from the Sun, Moesha, VH1 Storytellers, Boston Common, Dexter's Laboratory, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, The Daily Show, Keenan and Kel, The Steve Harvey Show, The Jamie Foxx Show, Seventh Heaven, Access Hollywood, Spin City, Pop-Up Video, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Judge Judy, Hannity and Combs, and The O'Reilly Factor. Ending in 1996 were The Phil Donahue Show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The New Mickey Mouse Club, The Original Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers, Murder, She Wrote, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tales from the Crypt, California Dreams, Quack Pack, and Picket Fences. The top 10 TV shows for the 1996 season were ER, Seinfeld, Suddenly Susan, Friends, The Naked Truth, Fired Up, Monday Night Football, The Single Guy, Home Improvement, and Touched by an Angel. And at the Emmy Awards, Frasier took home Best Comedy, and ER took Best Drama. In music, two teenagers tried to blame the song Israel's Son by Silverchair for killing their parents and younger brother. The jury didn't buy it. Jimmy Buffett's plane was accidentally fired upon by Jamaican authorities after being mistaken for a drug trafficking plane. Also in 1996, Lisa Marie Presley and Michael Jackson divorced, the musical Rent premiered, the classic lineup of Kiss reunited, Take That split up, and MC Hammer filed for bankruptcy. Dave Gahan of Depeche Mode overdosed on speed and cocaine and was pronounced clinically dead for two minutes before being revived. He was then arrested in order to spend nine months in rehab, which probably made him want those two minutes back. Sammy Hagar left Van Halen, the MTV2 video channel premiered, and Allison Chains played their last concert with lead singer Lane Staley. Staley passed away two years later from a drug overdose. Artists who were born in 1996 include rappers 6ix9ine, Lil Peep, Lil Xan, and Playboy Cardi, also singers Lord, Alessia Cara, Summer Walker, Louis Capaldi, Jack Galinsky, Luke Hemmings, Austin Mahone, and Jenny Kim. Bradley Noel of Sublime passed away from a heroin overdose. Tupac was gunned down in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas. And other artists who passed away in 1996 included composer Irving Cesar, singer Farron Young, musician Bill Monroe, jazz legend Ella Fitzgerald, singer Tiny Tim, jazz musician Eddie Harris, Turkish singer Ziki Murin, Brazilian singer Renato Russo, Danish composer Von Holmbo, 
German musician Rio Reiser, composer David Tudor, musician Johnny Guitar Watson, bassist Bernard Edwards of Chic, musician Jeffrey Lee Pierce, Mexican singer Lola Beltran, Polish composer Mikoslaw Weinberg, musician Jerry Mulligan, composer Jonathan Larson, and musician Les Baxter. Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill was the best-selling album, followed by Celine Dion's Falling Into You, the Fuji's score, No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, Mariah Carey's Daydream, Tupac's All Eyes on Me, Metallica's Load, Tony Braxton's Secrets, Shania Twain's is The Woman in Me, and Oasis's What's the Story, Morning Glory. Los Del Rio had the best-selling single of the year with The Macarena. The Macarena was also the biggest-selling single of the decade. The other big sellers were Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's song, One Sweet Day, Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me, the Tony Rich Project's Nobody Knows, Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby, Tracy Chapman's Gimme One Reason, Bone Thugs and Harmonies, The Crossroads, Pouring One Out for My Homies, Donna Lewis's I Love You Always Forever, Tony Braxton's You're Making Me High, and Keith Sweat's Twisted. At the Grammy Awards for the music of 1996, Celine Dion won Album of the Year for Falling Into You. Eric Clapton won Song and Record of the Year for Change the World. And Leanne Rimes won Best New Artist. They don't call them the Granny Awards for nothing, you know. At the Eurovision Singing Contest, which was held in Oslo, Norway that year, Ireland won Best Song. Also, at the Tony Awards, Rent won Best Musical, and The King and I won Best Revival of a Musical. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the Hall inducted rock and roll disc jockey Tom Big Daddy Donahue into the non-performers category. Pete Seeger was inducted into the early influencers category. And in the performers category, the Hall inducted Jefferson Airplane, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Pink Floyd, The Shirelles, The Velvet Underground, David Bowie, and this next artist. Little Willie John was born in 1937 in Cullendale, Arkansas. His family moved to Detroit, Michigan when he was four years old. When he was a kid, he and his siblings formed a gospel group and performed in talent shows. During one talent show, the group caught the attention of singer Johnny Otis, who brought them to producer Henry Glover. Glover liked Willie singing so much that he signed Willie and only Willie to a record deal with King Records in 1955. They also gave him the nickname Little Willie because, well, he was short. From the very beginning, Willie had hits, and a lot of them. His first single, All Around the World, went top five on Billboard's R&B chart. He then started rolling off hits like Need Your Love So Bad, Talk To Me, I'm Shaking, Sleep, and Fever, which singer Peggy Lee made even more famous a couple of years after John's original version. During that run, Little Willie hit Billboard's charts 
14 times, and also during that run, Little Willie used his notoriety to become involved in the civil rights movement. So, with all that success going for him, what went wrong? Well, Willie had issues with drugs and alcohol. He also got angry a lot, and very quickly. And even though he had a great career going, he got involved in crimes such as larceny swindling, which he kept getting arrested for. And King Records finally had had enough by then and dropped him from their label in 1963. And even when you thought things were bad, things got worse. Much worse. In 1964... Willie was arrested and charged with the stabbing death of a man named Kendall Roundtree in Seattle, Washington. In 1965, he was sentenced to prison. While he appealed his sentence, he was allowed out of prison to record another album, which didn't actually come out for another 40 years due to contract issues. He lost his appeal and was put back in prison, where he passed away in 1968 either from pneumonia or a heart attack, depending on whose story you go with. What makes Little Willie Brown worthy of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was his influence in the birth of soul music. Even James Brown opened for Willie during James's early days. Willie also had an amazing run on both the R&B and pop charts, Between 1955 until his death in 1968, Willie released 52 songs. His heyday on the charts went from 1958 to 61, where he had 17 songs hit no lower than number 25 on the R&B chart, with Fever hitting number 1 and 14 songs hitting the pop chart, with Sleep being his most successful on the pop chart, topping out at number 13. What might have been for a man of such amazing talent who had a meteoric rise, a plummeting fall, and pretty much a forgotten legacy even up until this day? Presented for induction by 1989 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Stevie Wonder, Little Willie John, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 19... 96. Before we look at the case for inducting someone into the hall in the upcoming class, let us look at how people get into the hall to begin with. The criteria for being inducted into the hall was originally that, quote, artists have to have released their first record 25 years earlier and have created music whose originality, impact, and influence has changed the course of rock and roll, end quote. That interpretation has been updated in recent decades to include music that rock and roll influence, like reggae, country, and hip-hop, and also the youth culture that music has influenced, and also vice versa. And that, kids, is why hip-hop artists have been inducted into the hall. The different categories that people can be inducted for are for musical excellence, which is for artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers who have had a dramatic impact on the music, early influencers, artists whose music influence rock music and youth culture, like, say, the jazz or blues, 
The Amit Erdogan Award, which is named for the famed record executive Amit Erdogan and goes to a non-performer who has had an impact on music, like record executives and managers. There's also now a category that inducts songs that have influenced music, like the Trogs' song Wild Thing. Of course, the most popular category is the performers category, which has everyone from Elvis Presley to Tina Turner. The different nominating committees decide who will make the official ballots for that year. Then, ballots are sent to a thousand musicologists, executives, performers, and other artists and experts. The fans also get a chance to vote, with that vote usually being held on the hall's website. Then from that, the final inductees are chosen. Now, with all that being said, let's look at the making the case for putting an artist into one of the upcoming classes for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This week, we're going to look at the case for putting Queen Latifah into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All right, before you start yapping about how hip-hop shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Ted Nugent, stop. You lost that argument a long time ago. Now then, let's leave her acting on shows like The Equalizer and movies like Bessie out of all of this and look at just her musical case. So, to the tale of the tape we go. Queen Latifah, whose real name, of course, is Dana Owens, has released eight albums. Of those, three hit the top 30 albums charts, and all of them hit the top 40 on the R&B charts. Singles-wise, she's released 37 songs. Of those, 10 hit the R&B and rap charts in America, while six hit the charts overseas. Arguably, her biggest hit is UNITY which went to number seven on the R&B chart and number two on the rap charts. So what makes Queen Latifah worthy of being in the Hall of Fame? Well, what makes her worthy isn't her chart success, it's her influence. She, along with Moni Love and salt and Peppa, influenced an entire generation of female rappers during a time when it was completely dominated by men. And without the early female rappers like Queen Latifah, you wouldn't have rappers who came up afterwards like DeBrat, Lil Kim, and now Cardi B, Megan the Stallion, Doja Cat, and Nicki Minaj. Plus, Queen Latifah was one of those few rappers at the time who actually transcended and went into pop culture doing movies and TV shows to even more success than they did in their music career. Along with all of that, her message of female empowerment and respect at a time of extreme misogyny in hip-hop, which to this date is still going on for some stupid reason, spoke volumes. So will she be inducted this year? Eh, probably not. However, the hall is woefully low on female rappers in it. In fact, at last check, it didn't have any. That needs to change because women were extremely important to the development of hip-hop, especially Queen Latifah. And for her influence on hip-hop and female hip-hop artists to this very day, Queen Latifah 
should be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This week, we are going to talk about another museum, but this museum is not strictly about music. The Smithsonian National Museum of American History is located on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The museum is one of a number of Smithsonian museums on the National Mall. It is normally open every day from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. However, as with all museums these days, check their website before going as COVID restrictions tend to come and go in the nation's capital, sometimes overnight, literally. Admission, by the way, is free. After all, your tax dollars paid for it. This museum concentrates on American history, specifically concerning military history, cultural history, and scientific history. There's tons of cultural artifacts that are in the museum's collection, including Archie Bunker's chair from the show All in the Family, one of the C-3PO and R2-D2 robots from Star Wars, and the Fonz's leather jacket from Happy Days. Musically, the museum has one of Prince's guitars and one of Tito Puente's percussion setups, and one of the items in the museum's collection is attached to what we're going to talk about next. Let us talk about a movie that owes its being made to a Disney movie and was also plagued with a whole lot of problems. For starters, this movie musical had at least 18 different writers touching its script, yet only three received the official writing credit. It went through a number of casting changes, including turning down two Hollywood legends, and it barely made any money for its studio. And yet, it was a critical success, was up for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and later found success and pop culture status when it began getting played on television. This movie was originally a silent movie back in 1910, but the sound version was only greenlit by its studio, MGM, because of the earlier success of Disney's animated movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which proved at the time that audiences would go to see movies based on children's books. The original script for the movie was pretty dark. MGM actually hated it. They gave the script to three different writers to come up with something completely different, but didn't tell the writers that each of them were writing the screenplay. And then they took the best ideas, flushed out the characters, gave it a bunch more writers to punch up the script, and finally they had a working script to work off of. Out of all of those writers, though, only three of them receive official credit for the screenplay. Noel Langley... Florence Ryerson, and Edgar Allan Wolfe. Next came the casting. Hollywood legend W.C. Fields had a great role lined up in it, but couldn't agree on the money, so he was dropped. Another Hollywood legend, Shirley Temple, was supposedly up for the main role, but things didn't work out there either. Actress Deanna Durbin was also up for the main role, but was dropped. Most people think that that was because her singing style was very operatic, which did not fit this role one single bit. 
Actor Buddy Ebsen, who later found fame on television on the TV shows Barnaby Jones and the Beverly Hillbillies, was up for a role but was forced out when another actor who already had a role in the movie, Ray Bolger, wanted Buddy's role instead. Go figure. Even the directing had problems. There were actually four directors during production, although Victor Fleming received the directing credit because it was really his vision that got this movie made. Finally, on August 25, 1939, after all those problems, the movie was released. It made just over $3 million. However, it had a movie budget of $2.777 million, so in actuality, it basically made nothing. However, it was a critical success and went up for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, where it was mowed down by a juggernaut of a movie that year. You may have heard of it. It was called Gone with the Wind. Fun fact. Gone with the Wind is actually the biggest movie of all time if you base it on the number of movie tickets sold, beating out all of the Star Wars movies, Titanic, Avatar, and Avengers Endgame. However, that's not the way you actually measure biggest movie of all time. You measure it by money. So Gone with the Wind doesn't even come close. This was not the end for this particular movie, though. In 1956, CBS aired the movie on television, and it was so popular that they started airing it every year as tradition, so much so that it is now considered a pop culture classic, along with other movies that bombed at the box office that found life on TV, like It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story. It is now also part of the National Film Registry, and in the Library of Congress. The movie that had W.C. Field as the wizard, which eventually ended up going to Frank Morgan. Shirley Temple, then Deanna Durbin as Dorothy, until that role finally went to the legend Miss Judy Garland. Ray Bulger, who originally had the role of the Tin Man, but wanted the role of the Scarecrow so badly that he forced out fellow actor Buddy Ebsen, who was far more gracious about it than I think I would have been. The movie also had witches, ruby slippers, and gave Munchkins lifelong employment by getting paid to be seen at sci-fi conventions. The Wizard of Oz premiered in wide release on August 25, 1939, and you can see the famous ruby slippers, at least one pair of ruby slippers. There were multiples. Judy Garland wore this pair, and you can see them at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C., but you can only see them until June 22nd of 2022, when they will come off display, and the museum has not mentioned when or where they will be seen after that. And that is it for the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode number 30. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, basically everything having to do with this podcast is done by yours truly. 
You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, etc., all under Music History Today. If you would like to support this podcast, our Patreon can be found at patreon.com backslash music history today we are also on twitter at music history day and you can now find us on youtube don't forget to like subscribe and hit that notification bell anytime you want to know exactly what videos are dropped and when all of those links can be found in the show notes below thank you very very much for listening